You're listening to Decisive Point. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the authors and are not necessarily those of the Department of the Army, the U.S. Army War College, or any other agency of the U.S. government. Today, I'm chatting with Rob Sparrow, professor in the philosophy program and an associate investigator in the Australian Research Council Center of Excellence for Automated Decision-Making in Society at Monash University, and Adam Henschke, an assistant professor in the philosophy section at the University of Twente, Netherlands. Sparrow and Henschke are the authors of Minotaurs and the Future of Manned Unmanned Teaming, which ran in the spring 2023 issue of Parameters. Welcome to Decisive Point, gentlemen. Set the stage for us, please, including Paul Schar's perspective. We've seen drones and teleoperated weapon systems play an increasing role in contemporary conflict. There is lots of enthusiasm for autonomy in weapon systems in the military. As I think 20 years ago, there was a paper in Parameters arguing that in the future, the tempo of battle would increase to such a point that only computers would be capable of making the decisions that are required to win battles. So for a long time, there's been a debate about the relationship between human beings and unmanned systems in warfighting. Recently, Paul Shah has argued that we don't need to worry about autonomous weapon systems taking over all the combat roles because actually the future of warfighting involves manned, unmanned uh, teaming. And, and Shah suggests that we should think of this on the model of what he describes as a centaur. A centaur is a mythical creature with the head and upper body of a human being and the lower body of a horse. And that's really nice image. You've got the human being in command, in control, and the machines doing the physical work involved in warfighting. We think that's perhaps optimistic for a number of reasons, and that what we've seen in civilian applications is it's often easier to get machines to be making decisions than it is to get machines to do physical work. And so for that reason, we think that the future of man-on-man teaming might be better imagined as what we call a minotaur. And so rather than the human being in charge of the team, we suspect that in many roles, actually the AI will be in charge of the team and the human beings will be effectively under the command of the AI and doing the physical work where the mental work will be performed by artificial intelligence. One way to think of Paul Shah's approach is, as Rob said, he's advocated this view of centaur warfighting. And there, the human is generally seen as the head, the decision-making part of the warfighting operation, and the robots or the machines, they do the, the kind of the grunt work. They're the things that do the stuff on the ground. So the way in which this manned unmanned kind of vision is put forward in Shah's work is humans do the deciding and the robots or the machines do the fighting. But you disagree. Will you expand on that, please? We do think that in many domains and in many situations, it's more likely that the machine will be in charge or effectively in charge. We think that it's quite hard to get machines to do something like move a gun into place or walk up the stairs or talk to these people and ask them where the insurgents are. Those roles, we think, will still need to be carried out by human beings. But for instance, wargaming or identifying and tracking targets, those tasks, machines can outperform human beings already in lots of circumstances. If you are considering the team, we think a lot of the executive and cognitive tasks will actually be 
handed over to artificial intelligence and the human beings will be left doing what the AI says. And so in that context, you should think of this as a minotaur. A team is a kind of cyborg with an artificially intelligent head and the body made up of human beings. On this, Rob came up with the idea of flipping the centaur view to suggest that we might instead think of these robot human teams like minotaurs, where the thinking is done by the machine and the fighting or the grunt work is done by the, the humans. So the robot becomes the head and the human becomes the body. Kind of flipping it from the centaur vision, the idea is that we ought to think of these more as unmanned manned teams like a minotaur rather than a centaur. I love that visual. Would you walk us through the key technical dynamics and the particulars of minotaur warfighting? When people started thinking about artificial intelligence, they thought the hard task was going to be getting machines to do the things that we find difficult, playing chess, calculating, looking for patterns in data. But when people started building robots, what they discovered was the machines were quite good at that stuff. Machines were able to calculate, were able to do scheduling tasks. They were able to, in the end, play chess reasonably easily and very, very well. Where machines struggled were doing things that children and animals can do. And so we don't recognize as requiring sophisticated capacities, things like walking into a room and recognizing where the chairs in the room are, or simply being able to walk up steps or pick up a cup, those tasks actually turn out to be incredibly difficult for machines. We still don't have robots that can, for instance, walk into your office and find your coffee cup. Machine vision systems are much better, but in complex environments and where there's a need to recognize context and maybe move around a cluttered environment, machines fail very quickly. If you're looking for tasks to automate, if you're looking for tasks that machines can perform, often where people end up employing machines is in these executive or cognitive roles. For instance, scheduling which offices get cleaned and making sure that there are people to clean them, that task can be outsourced to a machine scheduling system, actually walking into the office and emptying rubbish bins, seeing if it needs vacuuming, that still needs to be done by human beings. Let's talk about ethics. What are the ethical implications of minotaurs and minotaur warfighting? Well, one of the main things in the notion of the minotaur warfighting, as we describe it in the paper, is that you'll have the machines, computers, AI, you know, a combination of technologies directing and guiding how humans engage in a conflict zone. And as a result of that, you've got decisions being made by machines carried out by humans. And this has quite a few ethical implications. One of the most interesting ones, or at least one of the first ones that we want to point out is in these situations, there might actually be a strong case for minotaur warfighting. If this would either decrease the likelihood of military mistakes, would decrease the likelihood of fratricide, and or put your own soldiers at unnecessary risk. We might want those decisions to be made by the computers, by the machines. And so there is a bit of an argument in favor first of minotaur warfighting and picking up from what Rob had just said, there might also be a case for minotaur warfighting in many situations over centaur warfighting. So if you think of what Rob was saying about navigating physical terrain, when we think of terrestrial warfighting, warfighting on land, for instance, 
that's really, really complex, really complicated physical environments. You might have sand, you might have water, you might have trees, you might have humans all kind of moving through these these complicated environments. And in that sense, the centaur is probably going to face a whole lot of trouble. Whereas the minotaur system or minotaur unmanned man system, that might actually have a far better capacity to operate in these sorts of complicated, complex terrestrial environments. So there we might see that there's actually a case for the minotaur warfighting if it's going to increase both the likelihood of success and decrease the chances of making military mistakes. We also think that people might be quite horrified <laughs> by that prospect. I mean, really the idea that you are just following a list of tasks or strategic objectives given to you by a computer system, I think people are going to really struggle with that. And there's an understandable sense that human beings are valuable in a way that machines are not, and that placing machines in authority or giving machines effective power over human beings is getting that relationship backwards. We think there's a relationship here with debates about autonomous weapon systems, where critics of autonomous weapon systems have often insisted that machines shouldn't be given the power to take a human life, that there's something about the value of human life that suggests we shouldn't let a machine make a decision about taking a human life. That intuition also, I think, counts against Minotaur warfighting because Minotaurs, well, AI systems will be placing warfighters in harm's way may sometimes have to put people into combat that they're unlikely to survive. And I think people will balk at that, despite the fact that there are these very powerful arguments to suggest that might actually reduce the average risk to warfighters. There's some questions here also about what we expect when we give reasons to each other. And you know, it's a really important ethical principle that when you are relating to someone, you should be able to provide reasons for the way that you're treating someone. And there's some problems with the idea of machines giving reasons. Nowadays, machine systems can spit out reasons. I mean, they can give you what looks like a reason, but they don't have skin in the game in the same way that human beings do. They don't stand behind their words in a way that a human being does when they explain why they have ordered you to take on this very difficult task. So there's some questions here again about whether it's ethically acceptable to have machines effectively ordering people into battle. Now, I read one of the potential scenarios in your article about what if AI uses humans basically as fodder to achieve a larger goal or greater objective? That rattled me somewhat. I'd never considered it. I was going to say exactly that point. One of the other really fundamental principles in ethical theory goes back to the work of Immanuel Kant. And one of the things he said is that we shouldn't treat people as tools. We should treat them as ends in themselves. And if you've got a machine that, as, as Rob had said, kind of lacks the capacity to morally reflect on decisions, telling humans what to do and to go on and do things, there is a really significant concern that the humans there become like a tool, they become fodder. And that is something that goes against a really, really core set of foundational principles in ethics. So that's something that is problematic, definitely for the Minotaur warfighting, probably also for Centaur warfighting in, in various forms that that might take as well. What should we consider going forward? This obviously isn't going away. So clearly a key question here is whether or not we can intervene to prevent Minotaur warfighting from emerging or perhaps control the sorts of tasks where machines are given effective power or authority over human beings. We worry about an arms race here. We think that Minotaur warfighting will 
evolve because in lots of circumstances, we think these systems will win battles that essentially a military force that leaves too many decisions up to human beings may struggle to compete with a military force that is more willing to hand over certain sorts of decisions to AI. So there's a potential for something like an arms race. If you did want to try to prevent or slow down the development of Minotaur war fighting, one obvious way of going about it is try to build better robots, is, is to think about how we can build robots that actually can take on these sorts of physical tasks that are currently very difficult for machines. And we think one of the real problems there is the source of technologies that you would need to develop in order to get machines that can handle the complexity of the physical and uncertainties of the physical environment might actually also make it easier for machines to work in other command roles. One other thing too that seems possibly quite obvious, there would have to be significant changes to training, education, and other ways in which the culture and practice of militaries operates. So if we are going to go down some kind of minotaur route, then we'd need to recognise that the soldiers who are placed under the command of these machines, that they would have to receive particular training relevant to that. And also, and quite importantly, the people who have the capacity to make the decisions about the Minotaur warfighting, they would also have to undergo really specific training, education, understanding what the manned unmanned systems for what their weaknesses are, what their limits are, what the implications are, because there would be shifts in responsibilities, moral responsibility, who we assign moral responsibility to, and the training and probably some of the legal responsibilities would have to change as a result of that as well. So one of the, the big and important things would be to have a cultural shift in the militaries that recognise not just the practices of Minotaur warfighting, but a lot of the ethical, legal, and perhaps even social and cultural issues that might come around with it as well. If people are freaked out by this vision, if people don't want to see command roles handed over to AI, I also think that means that they should think again about autonomous weapon systems. There's a lot of enthusiasm for autonomy in uh, armed forces for understandable reasons, indeed the same reasons we think minotaurs will emerge, reasons that other people have been arguing that more and more tasks will be handed over to autonomous weapon systems. But machine autonomy here looks problematic in both cases or neither. If you think it's wrong to have a machine sending your troops into battle where they might be killed, it's quite hard to explain how it can be okay to have a machine making decisions about which of the enemy to kill. So there's some connections here between debates, we think debates that need to happen about so-called minotaur warfighting and debates that are going on at the moment about autonomy in weapon systems. Definitely lots of food for thought here. Listeners, you can really dig deep in this and get into a lot of detail. Download the article at press.armywarcollege.edu slash parameters. Look for volume 53 issue one. Rob and Adam, thank you so much for making this happen. I know we're on three different continents. Took a little bit of effort. I really appreciate you making the time for this. Thanks very much, Stephanie. Thank you, Stephanie. If you enjoyed this episode of Decisive Point and would like to hear more, you can find us on any major podcast platform. 